Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Bear Conk. What's up? In studio. Just flying in from Idaho, are you? Yeah, there were a lot of bears up there. Really? Did I you didn't see, see any? any, no, but they said, look, there's grizzlies mm. and like, there's black bears. Like real bears. Bears that'll eat you. Right. Yeah. Not bears that like will eat your lunch. These are bears that will eat you for lunch. Yes. Like black bears will eat your lunch, but grizzly bears will eat you. Yes. Which I did not want to happen. So I'm glad I didn't interact with the grizzly bears. Yeah. I think if you were a bear, like we call you Deacon Bear, but if mm-hmm. you were an actual bear, you, you're more of a black bear. Thank you, bud. Yeah. You're not violent. You just want the food on the table. You're going to come do. and get it. I do. Yeah, I will. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I'll eat this. But you'll be very nice about it. You know? You know. Nice, but firm, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to take your sandwich. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for your sandwich. Right. Yeah, totally. But you don't have a choice in Mm-mm. this matter. No, no, you are the bear. So welcome <laughs> everyone uh, to the show. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show on KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. If you're around the area, appreciate you. Or on the podcast, wherever you are, um, listening in your headphones, doing a walk or a workout or oh. wherever. You think people listen to us when they're walking working out yeah 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 my wow. mom does shout out to my mom yeah. hey paul's mom yeah, yeah. what's her name again long. madeline madeline right. yeah so hey, shout madeline. out i mean she's a she's an avid listener mm-hmm. so uh the 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 book's going great holy grit yeah dot org um lots yeah, last of good time stuff, we chat so. it was uh climbing up the amazon charts yeah it's number one on men's spirituality that is wild yeah it's crazy god's good Keep it up. Like you're the guy for men's spirituality. I don't know. Maybe there's just nothing that was <laughs> released, but. I, I don't know. I think there's stuff out there. But yeah. yours is just, it's just, it is a very special book. So I'm glad that people are reading it and benefiting from it. Yeah, we'll continue to talk about some of the, the saints in there, but, uh, and everywhere as we do every week, because we're sort of fascinated by saints, their lives. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, saints are good. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we get started uh, today. Do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? So there's this poor fella that <laughs> in China. Okay. And I could totally see this happening to me. Okay. But I don't know if you've seen this. But Pro- uh, Probably not. So you've seen those massage chairs at places? Like um, you put in a dollar or you run your credit card and then it gives you like a five-minute massage okay. in the chair. You know what right. I'm talking about? Yeah. And sometimes they're just in random spots, like mm-hmm. in the mall or... In the airport. In the airport, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've seen these. Yep. So um, there was a, a row of these chairs in a shop in China. <clears throat> I'm sorry, in Japan. Not China. Japan. It was an electronics store. So think of like, I guess, Brookstone over here where okay. you have these fancy toys to play with. And yep. among them was the, the chair. Okay. This is where I could see myself totally doing this. Well, he puts in his money. He's getting his massage. He's laying back and he dozes off. Falls asleep. Falls asleep. And when he wakes up, everyone's gone. They forgot about him. Everyone's gone. The lights are off. They locked the door. The doors are locked. <laughs> He's stuck in there. <laughs> he is stuck. That sounds like a treat. Yeah. I mean, you know, he got the gift. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, he he triggered the alarm trying to get out. Okay, gotcha. And then the cops came in and thought he was robbing the place. Mm. And so they had to, 
they had to go through that for a bit. You okay. know, hands down, hand, you know, that kind, kind of thing. Kind of verify. It's like, I was just stuck in here. This is what happened. I could totally see that happen to you. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. And uh, they did work it out. He was released without being arrested. Um, and then the, the store manager wrote him an apology that he didn't check that no one was sleeping in the chairs before he locked up. Well, whose fault is it? Him for falling asleep or the people for not checking? Um, you know, but, you know, he, he, yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. I but, can totally see that happening to you. You know, it, yeah. re- it reminds me of of the reading this Sunday. Does it? Yeah, it does. You're amazing at this. <laughs> okay. Hit me uh, with it. No, we're going to celebrate Lazarus being mm-hmm. dead being left in, in this tomb. Mm-hmm. His sisters thought he was dead. They go to Jesus. And you know who else thought he was dead? Because he was dead? Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. He was actually dead. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he was done in the tomb for four days. And, you know, his sisters go to Jesus and, you know, request that Jesus come and do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is powerful reading that we're going to read and here on Sunday uh, from the Gospel of John. And it's a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus, right? So we're in the middle of Lent, and what happens on Good Friday, Deacon Adam, the bear? Good Friday, our Lord dies on the cross. Real death. Yeah, he's dead. And then what happens three days later? He rises from the dead, never to die again. Yes. So this is a, a real story, a real miracle, but also a foreshadowing of what is to come in the life of Christ, mm-hmm. that Christ will be healed, that he will rise from the from the tomb, and that he will no longer be dead, right? The, uh, he will rise from the grave, right? So he performs this miracle, and uh, it's a powerful miracle. I mean, he raises Lazarus from the dead, like Lazarus has, has fallen asleep, he has gone into death, and Jesus brings him out of the tomb. Yeah, it is wild. I mean, um, of all the miracles you could perform, that seems to be the greatest, is that we literally have no control over our life, our soul. None of us create of our soul. None of us can hang on to our soul. None of us can, can do any of that except our Lord, right? Our Lord in his human and divine nature has power over life and death, and that's unique. I mean, in the Old Testament, we see... Uh, well, a couple of resurrections, mm-hmm. but not after four days. Right. You know, Jesus let him stay in there for four days. For the Jews, four days was like it. Three days, maybe the person's not quite dead, but once they get to four, they're definitely dead. Not only are they definitely dead, but the stench is there, the, the stench, smell yeah. is there. Everything about death exists within that number of four days, right? Yep. So that number is very significant. And it does symbolize, even in our own life, how things are dead. Like things... There are things in our life that, um, you know, are dead that Jesus wants to bring back to life, that the Lord wants to raise from the dead, you know, mm-hmm. and reminds me of a story of Padre Pio, who I write about in the book, but you can read more about his, you know, the story of this, but uh, he was walking in to mass one day and this guy, this crippled guy with crutches asked, you know, Padre Pio to to pray for him and heal him. And he was just walking by and he he just looks at the guy. And I think his name was Francesco or something like that. Hmm. Um, 
And he looks at the guy and says, it's time to put down the crutches and walk away from your crutches. And the guy was healed. He walked away from him, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is like the real healing of Jesus. There are things in our life and there are crutches that we carry our whole life that we're not willing to just drop and leave behind because we don't believe that the Lord can heal us, that the Lord can do uh, a powerful work in our life, that we can let go of maybe old ways or old habits or old vices or uh, attitudes or wounds and live a really new life in Christ of, of healing. This is the image of Lazarus gives us the miracle that we need to believe that Jesus can do that in our own life. Yeah, if he can do that with Lazarus, he can do that for us well, in so many ways. I mean, if you raise someone from the dead, like then what can he do with my brokenness, right. with my woundedness, with my sin, with my shame, with yeah. my you know, uh, wound, with my past, with my regrets, with, with my attitudes, with my vices, with you know, my you know, ability to, to, to live in, in, in a very comfortable spot and not be pushed out of my comfort zone. Like what, what can God do? You know, in, in the midst of these great groups I'm doing with these men, you know, the constant theme that comes up in a great way, like this is a, in a really good way is healing. Like just like, it, it just constantly comes up like guys desiring healing in their life, healing from past trauma, past wounds, past mistakes, and being able to lay the crutches down and, and walk away from this, this like, whatever it is, right? This vice, this, this thing, that, this attitude, this way, and believe that they can move forward. It, and, and it's this constant theme, but healing doesn't just happen if, if you're not aware that God can do it. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Lazarus' sisters asked Jesus to come and heal him. You know, like there was intentionality in it. And we have to be intentional about allowing the Lord to like move us out of the tomb. Well, in the tombs we often get in, like this poor guy in Japan, um, we're lulled into them, mm. you know? Like you mentioned uh, comfort and, and all these things that, I mean, the, the enemy and, and the flesh and the world, they, they can lull us into a comfort, into a posture that really puts our soul to sleep. And it takes a wake-up call sometimes, like when the guy woke up and literally chains were on the door and he couldn't get out. Um, that's what gave him this, the urgency to fix the situation, the urgency to get out of that store, the urgency to, to get out of the tomb, let's say, was when he realized how trapped he was by it. But when he first sat down and put the money in, he was trapped, right? Like there was... Hmm. There's a lot of things that lead to those moments yeah. and those need for healings. And that's why you mentioned intentionality. It's not just about breaking out of the store. It's about looking at my life and saying, Lord, where are my, where are my desires leading me astray? Where are my brokenness leading me astray to get into this pain, this hurt, this, this pattern of behavior? And I need to make the changes necessary, but I need the healing in order to get out of the chair. Right? right to to put the crutches aside, but also a commitment to not get back in. Right to not just be lulled back to sleep. Yep, you know I think for you know particularly for men and you know for all people we get we get really comfortable in in our patterns, in our wounds, in our things that we've always done, and the ways that we've always lived. What if God 
wanted a different attitude, a different way. You know, like, are we willing to allow Jesus to speak into the tomb of our life and unwrap the death that surrounds us, right? Like the, these these dead parts. And you mentioned the Old Testament, you know, when Ezekiel, you know, the prophet speaks to the dry bones in the land and, mm-hmm. and God raises these dry bones, brings them to life. Uh, this is the image of Lazarus. And then yet this is the image that we'll have of Jesus forever. Like he is the risen Christ who sends his spirit to live within us. And look, this isn't easy. Like it's not like, you know, we're not going to hit perfection until, you know, we enter heaven. Right. Okay. But we can be on the journey of restoration and healing and um, freedom in our life. Like we really can. Uh, I, I can't tell you. I've probably had five, six conversations just this week with guys who like are in need and desire healing and specific areas in their life. And I'm thinking, Lazarus, that's our guy, man. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus just brought him, you know, to new life. Well, and he said, Lazarus, come out. So like to get out of the store, uh, Japanese man had to come out, get out of the comfortable chair, get out of the whatever, and, the, and he had to come out. Lazarus had to come out. He was bound by cloths, the burial cloths of his old life, let's say, or the... Mm-hmm. the um the uniform of death and woundedness and brokenness. He was in that uniform and Jesus said, come out. And he had, he removed, they removed it. He said, remove the cloths, take off that old uniform of a dead man and, and come among the living. Right. Hmm. And, uh, Jesus didn't go in and pick him up. Yep. Lazarus had to walk out, walk on out. And, you know, for a lot of us, um, that voice of Jesus calling us to walk out is often, we only hear them if we're listening, right? And then once we hear it, there's always going to be some difficult way to walk out. Like mm-hmm. it's never going to be easy. Right. Um, if you've been dead for four days, the thought of walking might seem unreasonable. I don't know. I've never hmm. been dead for four days, but I have had, you ever broke a leg or something like that? I've, I've broken a shoulder, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I broke a leg before. Ooh. Well, a foot and I had to get a cast. Yeah. And when I got the cast off, I couldn't walk immediately. Yeah, it takes time. It was weak. Yeah. But you know what the doctor told me? Hmm. Take a step. Hmm. Walk. <laughs> Just let's see where we're at. You know what? Uh, you I know, didn't feel very confident, but I had to You know to do what I've it. always wanted to say to someone, which I bet, you know, Jesus probably said to Lazarus, you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then- But not for long. But not for long. <laughs> Like I've always just wanted to be like, you're dead to me. And then, <laughs> but like in a funny way. Wow. Yeah. And then he just raises Lazarus from the dead. That sounds like a meme you could, you could create. Isn't that funny? Or a new meme. Right. Like Jesus telling me. Lazarus, you're dead to me. You're dead to me, Lazarus. She's <laughs> <laughs> so dead to me, literally. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Bear in studio, Adam Conk. How's it going, my friend? It's going very well. How are you? Was it cold in Idaho? You know, it wasn't too bad. I got there just at the right time where, you know, like a low was 28 and a high was like 53. Yeah, that's pretty And the cold sun was out. Mm. It felt like it did here when I got home, to be oh, honest okay. with you. Yeah, we had a little cold front move in, and it, but spring's back, you know. Spring's back. Getting after it. Yeah, you're dead to me, Adam. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. You're, you're, Calling me to new life. Yeah, you're dead to me. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, like, you're really dead to me. Your old self is dead. Thank you, bud. You know, the new Adam is here. Thanks, man. Right? Yeah, just prophesying that, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so like, you got to speak things into truth. You know, one of the conversations mm-hmm. I, I was having with, with one of the guys was like, um, dude, you got to, like, you got to believe that in the future what you desire right now is going to happen in faith. That's what faith is. Like I, I know that I'm going through a difficult time right now with like this healing thing. And I know that I'm, that, that that is affecting my marriage too, because like on my wounds and my behavior, like come into the forefront and light in the most intimate, you know, human relationship I have, which is my marriage. Right. And, I know that it's difficult what you're walking through, but faith is believing that that you can see yourself in the in the in the healed version down the road mm-hmm. through faith. That that God has that for you. Right? And sometimes you gotta speak that into people in a in a real way, just like Lazarus sisters spoke healing into you know, like this situation, like they believed that the Lord could do this. They didn't know how, when, where, or what, but they knew that if they asked Jesus that he could do that miracle, and he did. And that's the thing with Jesus. It's not a question of if, but when. When it comes to every good thing that the Father wants to give us, including eternal life, including healing every part of our heart and our body, including a, a, a deep union with him through his son, Jesus Christ, including being filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit and with happiness. All of that is promised us in Jesus Christ. And it's not a question of if, but when. And so for Lazarus, it was four days after his death. But that was to show all of us that that's what God's going to do to us as well. And for some of us, we have to wait a long time. But it's not a question of if the Lord's going to do it, but when. You know, when it comes to healing, there's no part of me that Jesus doesn't want to heal. I'm going to have to wrestle with some things the rest of my life on earth, like St. Paul said. Right. He's going to leave us thorn in the flesh. Totally. But he has no thorn in the flesh anymore, St. Paul. Right. Yeah, we're never, like, completely perfect here on earth. Like, But, yeah, we can be we in will freedom. Be. And we can be, you know, like, we can live in freedom and restoration in our life. But that's the faith you're talking about is that. That is the faith. you got to believe that the Father loves me that way. The right. Father intends to cure everything about me. Like the Father loves me and wants to be with me forever and will perfect me. He's doing that in his son, Jesus Christ. I just need to trust him and his plan for me. Right. And desire what he desires, which is wholeness and fullness. But we have to go to the Lord. Like we can't, like we, you know, as scary as that sounds, like Lazarus would have remained dead if no one would have asked. Right. Like maybe, you know what I'm saying, or if Jesus wouldn't have come, right? It's true. Uh and yet that's not that wasn't his final destiny, but like he got to experience new life literally because of that. Uh and so like even in our own life, like we don't have to remain dead. 
but we do need to like ask, like we, it, we need to like pursue the Lord, ask, like, even in faith, like, I don't know how you can do this, Lord. I don't know if you could do it. Like, I don't know when I just know that I tired of living dead. There are certain areas of my life I'm tired of living dead. And yet we get so comfortable in living those things. I, I'm dealing with a couple of guys who are struggling in their marriage because they're just refusing to change some of their behaviors and they're digging in. And then that's connected to like just old patterns and old ways. And yet it's affecting their vocation, which is not, you know, obviously good. So they're still in the massage chair. They're falling asleep. And yeah. they got locked in the room. Yeah, and you're not going to get out of that chair until you see the chains on the door, right? Like when you realize, oh, I'm trapped here. Yep. And you might have to go through uh, getting arrested Yeah. and being accused and the hard part. But at the end of the day, like God's truth will remain and you'll be set free, just like the guy in, in the store. Eventually he was. <laughs> Eventually he was, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine like just walking out? And the alarms go off, and then the cops show up, and they pull guns on you, and you like get on your knees. I was just napping. Yep. I just fell asleep. Yep. I was falsely accused. Have you ever been falsely accused yeah. and had to suffer the actually the consequences of it? So when I was in elementary school, I didn't always make the best choices. This is like kindergarten or first grade. Like you know, I was just like always into mischief. Mm-hmm. And I went to the restroom. I remember this. Totally like it was yesterday. I went to the restroom and that's it. I came out. Now, there were a group of kids that were in the restroom or a couple of guys in the restroom before and they they would ball up toilet paper and wet it. Yeah. And they would throw it into the ceiling and it was all over. I didn't notice it. Had I done that before? Probably. But did I do it that time? I did not. Mm-hmm. I came out of the restroom. The teacher went in there, saw all the toilet paper, and she came out. And um, I got paddled. Mm. I got accused. I didn't do it. I told her I didn't. She said I was lying, and I got paddled. And I had to just live with the fact that the reason that I was accused and the reason that she didn't believe me is because my past behavior gave her all the ability to blame me for it. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I had to, like... I had to suffer some of that, but I had to eventually like be like, you know what? Like I kind of deserved it. Mm -hmm. Even though I was falsely accused, I got to change my behavior totally. Like God's got to heal me. Now that's a small kid, but there's been other times in my life where, you know, like, and you just sometimes have to go through some of the really hard things to get to the other side. You just do. And people don't want to do that all the time. Yeah. Well, chains are very motivating, right? So if I, if I have a sense of, because ch- chains not only reinforce the limit, but also where freedom is. Freedom is on the other side of the chain, right? Right. So yeah, I'm limited by something. There's something blocking me. But if I can get through it, there's a freedom on the other side. So you mentioned marriage. Marriage should not feel like bondage or chains, right? No. Nope. It should be one of those things that brings freedom. Yep. And in fact, the bond of marriage is that bond of freedom. But when it feels like bondage, like chains, like something keeping us in, well, that's where we need to start the healing. Right. Like, why do I feel that way with my spouse? Right. On the other side of those chains is the freedom mm. that I desire, but only through the chains, right? Like only by clipping them off, only by cutting through them. Mm. Um, 
if all I see is the chains, I'll just want to go back to sleep and forget. Yeah, I mean, one of the myths of marriage is that marriage is bondage, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, And the reality is, yeah, like when you get married, you lose some of your personal freedoms to gain greater freedom. Like you have to go through uh, my life as a bachelor and let go of some of those or a bachelorette uh, to be united with someone and yet you gain more freedom by being one with the other. Right, you gain more love and more ability to sacrifice and be loved and be healed and all those things. But what we want to do instead of entering fully into our vocation and, and love and self-sacrifice and self-donate and experience greater freedom in that relationship is we want to hold on to being a bachelor. We want to hold on to the freedoms, quote unquote, that we think that we're deserved and owned. I want to do whatever I want when I want, how I want to do it. I don't want to let go of those things and be in real unity and relationship with someone. The burial cloths of the dead man. Totally. But you know, you've been married long enough now as well to know that the greater freedom comes in the giving your total self to your spouse. Like Mm -hmm. then you have actually freedom to choose and freedom to like, you know, like be fully yourself and vice versa, instead of holding on. And, and that's the tension that we feel. People dig in and aren't willing to <clears throat> give in, you know, in a, in, a, in a holy way. So anyway, God wants freedom for us. Speaking of freedom, one of the greatest uh, segments we have here <laughs> on the planet of the one, show. One of the greatest. One of the greatest. <laughs> considering that we... Top we, four at least. Top four segments. <laughs> that we have on our three segment show <laughs> is uh, uh, weird Catholic stuff. Do you know? What? Yep. That's so weird. You Very Catholics weird. make weird people look normal. No, that's true. I don't know why you do what you do. Bring it on. Weird Catholics. Stop. So this is a really weird story about a saint I had heard. I knew about, but did not know this. Okay. And that is St. Cyprian of Antioch. Well, that's a that's a unique one. Yeah. Well, Antioch is that town where they first used the name Christian. Right. And, of course, the more famous saint from Antioch is Ignatius of Antioch. Yes. Right? It's a pretty holy place. We've got saints from Antioch. We do. Peter was the first bishop of Antioch, St. Peter. That's, um, that's a good point. So I this mean, is Cyprian? Cyprian of Antioch. Cyprian of Antioch. Right. So an OG saint. Um, what year? Well, he died around under Diocletian, so around the 200s. Okay, so he's, a, he's an early saint. Yes, and martyr. Mm. But I'd never heard his conversion story. Okay. And it's weird. What's weird about it? Well, so apparently Cyprian... Well, let me preface it this way. The story I'm about to tell is why... Cyprian of Antioch is the patron saint of those in cults. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Any well, cult. Or the occult, really. So like demonic oh, okay. slash cultish slash. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is why. Um, <clears throat> he was into black magic. Really? As a pagan. Wow. Talk about like, death. Yeah. Like, you know, casting spells. Hmm. Um, Talk about death to the soul. Yeah, the dude was a wizard, let's say. Okay. Well, uh, the wizard of or Antioch. A sorcerer. That could be a show. The wizards a of Antioch. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing was, 
He fell in love with a Christian woman named Justina. Ooh, and that'll do it. Beautiful Justina. I mean, yeah. And he knew that Justina was probably unwilling to do anything with him. Right. Anything to do with him. So he attempted casting spells on Justina to win her favor. Ooh. Yes. Thought it would work. Yes. Um... Now, Justina, who was a beautiful Christian girl, and we have so many virgin martyr saints at the time because, as you know, there's no more beautiful woman on the planet, Paul, than a Christian woman, hmm. right? Someone Amen. who's filled with the love of God. Totally. You can't, you yeah. can't beat that, right? No, just the, the beauty inside and out. And it was obvious to the pagans of the time as well, which is why we have so many virgin martyrs uh, with, with amazing stories. Well, Justina had been used to these pagan men, given her these advances, whatever. And uh, Cyprian goes to cast a spell on her, and she counters with a sign of the cross. Hmm, counter punch. Yes. He's like Jesus. ready to cast a spell. She's making the sign of the She's cross. She's like, you're dead to me. And guess what happened to Cyprian? What? All of the spells that were on him, demons that were on him, the black magic that was part of his life, all of it just like was cast out of him instead of infecting her. Really? Yeah. In the name of Jesus. By her prayer. Be gone. Rise from the dead. So Cyprian rises from spiritual death, comes to faith like immediately, becomes a priest and then a bishop. Whoa. Yeah. He doesn't marry her. No. They don't get married. They're, They're friends. Wow. Right? Um, and in fact, they were both killed by Diocletian, not at the same time, but they were both beheaded. Um, what? Yes. A weird story. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. That's very interesting. So if you have anybody in your life who's messing with the occult or like whatever else, new age stuff, or just spiritually dead, or just spiritually dead, you could pray to St. Cyprian of Antioch. What I, really is what we're talking about, right, on the mm-hmm. show, is like this death. Like, it could be spiritual death. It could be physical in a sense. It could be like just this feeling of like, yeah, like, and the Lord has the power mm-hmm. to like bring new life into us. Like yeah, the, and Cyprian wasn't looking for that either. You know, he mentioned earlier about Lazarus's sisters are the ones that prayed the Lord's presence into Lazarus' life. Yeah. So Cyprian was so into this. This is so fascinating. He actually wrote books of spells. Wow. As a sorcerer. He was a wizard. He was a wizard. And the books were kind of known. Like he was Mm. a known person. Yeah. But that's how into this stuff he was. He was not looking to change at all. But then this encounter with a saintly person where Mm. Christ was in Justina, Mm. freed him from all that. And that was the day the Lord said, come out of the tomb, Cyprian. Wow. And he answered, right? Like he did. Wow. Um, And so... Never without hope, right? Even the people in our life that seem so far, so distant, or we feel that way, the Lord, you mentioned earlier, we just have to ask the Lord, like, I don't know what you can do here, but do it. Do something, you know? And sometimes he sends Justina. Yeah, and like for us to like be vessels of healing in other people's lives. It's just like Mary and Martha going to Jesus for Lazarus and be like begging him to come and heal their brother, like raise him from the dead. Like they knew that that was possible, like so for us as Christians to um, advocate on behalf of someone else to petition for them, to pray for them, 
to go to the saints, to go to Christ, to go to Mary for them, right? Like, you know, this week we celebrate a powerful solemnity, um, the Annunciation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we celebrate that on Saturday, and the solemnity is this amazing moment where the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and announces to her that the Son of God, God himself, is, is uh, <clears throat> you know, living inside of her. She's the first tabernacle, the, you know, the carry God into the world. It'll, yeah. It's a pretty big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. Well, it's one of the two Lenten solemnities. So St. Joseph, who was normally on the 19th, was on the 20th this year. Right. And the Annunciation, only six days later, um, they both get a Gloria, for example. They're, we're supposed to feast on those days. Like, they're big deals. And it's our, our two solemnities during Lent. But the Annunciation, I mean, it really is, in a lot of respects, just the whole gospel mystery is present in what's happening here. You have God sending a son into the world, creating the soul, the human soul and of Christ, and then taking Mary's flesh for his body. And um, hmm. you have the, the uh, blessed Virgin Mary as the new Eve being obedient to an angel, or as the first Eve was obedient to the devil, hmm. but Mary's being obedient to this angel of light. And there's just so much here about our salvation and the gospel. That's why it's one of the mysteries of the rosary to meditate on. And it's powerful because, I mean, it's in this moment that the blood of Mary is flowing through Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. like the, and any mother would know that the reality is that you feel closer to your child than the father does, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Because you're like literally, not only intimately, but physically connected to the child, right? Mm-hmm. And the the power of this connection between God and Mary now, like, and then Jesus and Mary, like, uh, is is unbelievable. Like that that this is why Mary was by her her son's side all throughout, you know, his life and ministry. There was a real connection, but. Not only that, it was like God used Mary specifically to bring salvation into the world, like bring Christ into the world. And then Christ did the work, but like we can advocate to Mary for our own healing in our life. And one of the guys I was talking to this week, um, had this powerful conversation about how his mother, his, his, his literal birth mother abandoned him, uh, when he was, when he was a child. Hmm. Just left him, left him abandoned, left family. Wow. His dad was abusive. He's since like healed his relationship back with his father, but his mother's abandonment and left has just left a real big void in his life. And and now he's got trust issues, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And he knows he has trust issues. And then, he, so we're talking about how his trust issues with God, you know, really began in the abandonment from his family, his mother. So anyway, like. <clears throat> It's so interesting that the solemnity is following, following, falling on this week because I talked to him about how Mary can mother you. Like Mary can heal your abandonment wound from your own mother. Like your earthly mother um, maybe failed and uh, in a big way. Like, you know, as parents, we all fail. But like uh, this was a big abandonment wound in his heart. And I was like, the Blessed Mother can heal that wound. And not only that, can mother you in the way that you deserve to be mothered as God's child. 
and I mean, you know, we're just having this conversation. And he's trying to wrap his mind around it. I was like, look, you don't have to understand it, mm-hmm. but just know that it's true. Just as Jesus can go to Lazarus, and they didn't understand how he was going to heal Lazarus. He just did it. So can can Mary, the mother of God, heal these, these you know, our own, you know, uh, abandonment wounds at the same time? She can mother us. Well, if Justina can bring immediate healing and the presence of Christ to Cyprian, imagine what the mother of God can do, right? Hmm. In a moment. And this is why, you know, we, we say, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thee for thy protection, implored thy help, sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Hmm. Never was it known. Because she is the true mother of the whole human race. She is the faithful mother that is always there, mm-hmm. right? All, never abandons. She's also the one that suffers with us and for us through whatever we're going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, she suffered at the foot of her son as much as he did in her heart and her soul. And if we're going through something that, that's a particular time of trial and suffering, she suffers with us through that. She continues to suffer for her children. You know, it's interesting, too. I was just thinking about this, and it was rolling through my mind that, yeah, Mary physically uh, saw the death of Jesus, her own son, and and suffered with that. But the beauty of that is she also experiences resurrection. Yep. And not only that, she experienced his ascension into heaven. And Pentecost. She saw him leave again, and then she saw the Holy Spirit and experienced that. And she was around for the church to start. She mm-hmm. mothered the church into being. Yep. Okay. Before she ever assumed into heaven, she she experienced not only the full Paschal mystery, but actually mothered the church into being. Well, think about this. Our Lord was with the church for three years. Mary's with the church much longer. Yeah. After that. That's that's my saying. And, yeah. and I'm sure she looked at Peter. And Paul and like pointed a finger and be like, hey, 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 mm-hmm. let's straighten out. Like this is the direction. This is what my son said. This is what we're, this is the Holy Spirit. Like you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. they they needed that, and we all need that. This is what this is what a good mother does. They, they they point us back in the right direction. They speak truth on us. Like they tell us who we are. Right as as their child, and that's that's the beauty of a mother. Like every you know when my when even my older kids like when they're in pain. Emotionally, I, I, they call my wife first, mm-hmm. right? They, they need that mother's voice, right? They, they need that direction. And yeah, do they come to me? Yeah, for certain things. And as my role as a father, like we work together, but like I can't replace the role of a mother. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Like I just, I literally can't, right? Mm-hmm. The role of a mother, like in the church and in our own healing walk is so important. And Mary steps in as that advocate for us for the church and for our own, you know, healing process. So even if we're afraid, I often say this, if we're ever afraid to do what Jesus wants or to go through healing or we're faced with obstacles or your analogy of chains, mm-hmm. uh, guess who can uh, hold our hand through the process? Mary, because she's a good mother, mm-hmm. the perfect mother uh, who would never want harm to us. And so that's the, I mean, like we can just keep going about this. Uh, but I've, I've seen, I've seen the fruits of her work, mm-hmm. you know, to be like, mm, 
don't deny that. Like, it's real. Yeah. And, you know, whatever is good about, let's say, a mama bear protecting her kids. Speaking of bears. <laughs> that's right. Whatever, whatever's good and noble about that, Mary has times a thousand or a million mm. or infinity when it comes to us. I mean, there really is no danger we can go through that Mary is unable to deal with it because she is full of grace, because she is the the greatest mirror of her son, the greatest in rhythm with the sacred heart is her immaculate heart. Mm. The The grace that God came to give the world to destroy sin and death flows through Mary. Mm. And there is nothing, because of that, there's nothing that can prevail against the church because the church has a mother. You know, the church is in the immaculate heart of Mary as it is in the sacred heart of Jesus. Um, to Jesus through Mary, as St. Louis de Montfort says. But there should be a great confidence. We talked earlier about faith in the Lord's love for us, faith in we can be set free from whatever. Well, the confidence in Mary that God's plan, God's love for me, comes to me through a woman, comes to me through a mother, through a mother's heart. I remember a priest saying one time that a big point in his vocation story was when he was meditated on someone who shared that uh, every vocation Every priestly vocation comes through a mother's heart, through the mm. Immaculate Heart of Mary. Wow. That's true of every Christian vocation, right? Like God's will for me in my life to become holy, to become a saint, to become healed, to become his son, all comes through a mother's heart, the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's, that's God's desire for me. He wants to love me directly through his son Jesus, but also through a mother's heart because I need it. All right. You do need it. You're dead to me, but you're not (laughs) dead to Jesus or Mary. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith. Saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Uh, I'm enjoying the tunes. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, this is a song called Would It Kill You? Really? We've been talking about Lazarus and death. and Being dead to me? Being dead to me. It so, just sounds like the worst thing that you can ever say to someone. <laughs> yeah, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. But I mean it as a compliment. Hang on. Right. You're dead to me, but alive in Christ. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you know, I think we should just make the meme. Jesus standing at the tomb, sitting <laughs> to Lazarus, you're dead to me. It could be the thing that breaks the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything could break the internet. Look, man, we only have a couple more weeks till Easter, huh? That Three? is wild. What is it? I mean. Something. It's it's the fifth Sunday of Lent this Sunday? That can't be right. That it, is right. It is the fifth Sunday, but it feels like we have like eight Sundays. Like, I, I, 
how long is Lent these days? Has, has it grown since no, I was a no. kid? No, See, pretty soon it'll be Passion Tide, and then the sixth Sunday of Lent is uh, Palm Sunday. Hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just feels it feels long. I don't know. Maybe it's this because is the quickest Lent ever it's for me. Maybe to you. Yeah. But it's been long for me. And really? I, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Okay, at the beginning of Lent, I decided, and I spoke on the show, but I talked to you about it, is that I was going into Lent with a plan. Yep. I wasn't going to stumble into Lent and like on Ash Wednesday be like, oh, what am I doing? Giving up chocolate. You know? Mm-hmm. I went in with a plan and I've stuck to it. Good for you. And the plan has been difficult. Mm-hmm. And on purpose, I wanted to really push myself, challenge myself, fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Mm-hmm. The brilliant three pillars <laughs> that the church says from Lent. I, was I gonna know what Lent is. Push myself to the limits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To be dead, to die to those things. And it's working. So my point being, I'm ready for Lent to be over. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, you know, we're doing our normal Lenten thing, and it's great, but we've had so much going on in life during Lent. Mm -hmm. It just seems like a roller coaster. So, uh, like every roller coaster kind of, wow, we made a lot of progress real quick. Right. You know, went fast. I think what what I wanted to do for Lent is, through God's grace, prove to myself that I could do certain things. So that those habits I can have throughout the year. Mm. So when I wanted to fast, I know I can fast. And when I want to like have consistent prayer and, and like, like really like push myself prayer wise, I can do that. Cause I know that I've done it in Lent. That's mm. what fasting and prayer and like, so this is what Lent does is it, it should be building in long-term virtues and habits in our life. Cause we don't want to be like, Oh, after Lent, like I'm just giving up on like, like consistency with the Lord so that I just go back to old habits and old ways. No, that's silly. Like yeah. if you're going to do that, then like, just, just don't do anything. Like you're like, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like build it in. Not that like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to rejoice in Easter, but no, like we're still called to be disciples of Christ. Yep. Post Lent. Post Lent. Post Lent. Post Lent. A concrete example of that that I remind myself of all the time and, and others is things like the stations of the cross. Right. Right. Like that's really kind of most Fridays of the year. If you have time, why don't you just give it a shot? Right. Cause Friday is the day of remembering the death of the Lord. And it's not just a Lenten prayer, but during Lent, yes, we have solemn stations of the cross, right? At our parish church, we meet at a certain point, pray it together, do things like that. But that's true. That's a devotion. That's a, that's a devotion that's kind of and intended. And on Fridays we pray the sorrowful round. mysteries of the rosary. Right. 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 So a good time to maybe walk. So trivia question to everyone. How many stations of the cross are there? Hmm? Well, there's fourteen. Fourteen. Traditional ones. But recently some people had a fifteenth. Really? What's the fifteenth? The resurrection. Really? That's, mm-hmm. Is that a station of the cross? I don't think no, it's, the, it's the station of Easter. Yeah. Resurrect. So um, I used to tell someone I worked with who didn't like when I was not in the office because <laughs> I had like, I'd, I'd make my own schedule and, you know, like did a lot of like relational stuff outside the office and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, if I wanted to go play golf, say with some buddies or people, <laughs> you know, like, you know, trying to hang out with or, 
whatever, I would, I would tell her that I was going pray the 18 stations of the cross, <laughs> which is 18 holes of golf. <laughs> and she never picked up on it because she never. Oh, really? No, no, no. She never picked up on it. So I felt like I partly wasn't lying, you know, because every hole was literally uh, dying to self. Wow. I'm that bad at golf. Wow. That is amazing. Well, you, that sounds like a particular Paul George devotion. Yeah, 18 Stations of the Cross. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a full round of golf. Yeah. Well, you mentioned fasting. I want to, especially for men out there, but also for women, but men. Because, look, to be honest with you, women suffer way better than we do in general. Like, women go through a lot. We don't even hear about it. It's pretty true. But men, we we do anything, mm-hmm. like, everybody's going to know. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to, man, guess what I did, yeah. bro? Guess what happened to me? But, you know, fasting is one of those things year-round that is really powerful. I mean, we need to, as men, so that you mentioned that, you know, women too, but like, for God, we need to prove to ourselves that we can go without, that, yep. that we can fast, that we can abstain, that we can have abstinence from things. Especially our appetites. Appetites, alcohol, like, mm-hmm. it just gets bad. And you're just mm-hmm. like, what, what am I, what are you doing? Like, what? Because, like, Overdrinking and gluttony does not really speak well of a discipleship. Right. It doesn't point well to Jesus. Right. That I'm just going to be real honest. It just doesn't. And I've had I've had to look in the mirror in my own life and then really decide like what what's greater? Uh you know, my inability to like have self-control or my desire to be a disciple of Jesus. And I got to choose which one's the the front runner there, mm-hmm. and through that, I should make decisions. I think technology is a big one when it comes to addiction, denying ourselves. Mm. And so this fasting is is a rehearsal with something that's kind of. I mean the tough. The, the main things tough. for men it's food, drink, media, and money. Mm. You know, like to deny ourselves the things, those things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and work, you know, overwork, you know. From time to time, in a scheduled way. So In not, a scheduled way, in yeah. a real practical, like, my time yeah. way, you know. Yeah, one of the hardest uh, for a lot of guys and gals is uh, just, like, weekend, weekend focus, mm. you know, especially on Sunday. I'm just not going to work or look at a screen unnecessarily or whatever. And to get in the habit of doing that weekly – Take on a Sunday so you can give it to your family and to your God, uh, your attention. So to do that during Lent, so for a lot of folks, they give up a certain, you know, watching TV or watching movies or looking at their phone as much or social media fasting. That's all great, but then how's that going to impact the rest of the year? Right. And how's your family or your vocation, more to the point, how's the vocations God's called you to f- live excellently, how are they going to benefit from this habit, from this uh, ability to deny yourself? Yeah, do you just Lent? go back to... Overconsumption, so it's like, oh, I gave up alcohol for Lent, and I and I did it. You know, maybe I messed up a few times, but then I I did it. But then I'm gonna I'm gonna go right back to like not only drinking but overconsuming. You know, alcohol. It's like, wait, wait, what? Like, what's the pendulum thing? Like, like we're building in healthy habits spiritually so that we can, you know, be a a a disciple of Jesus, right? In in a real way, year round. And that's what we're all trying to do. You know, so what we're saying is like Lent should set us up for success. Yes. Right? Like that's the whole point of Lent. It's a it's a total reset for discipleship. 
That's right. Moving forward. Well, because you know, we have this season of the year. It's it's different than Advent. Advent is a time of penance um too, but it's different because in Lent it really is a long journey of repentance, conversion, uh, for the sake of being better Christians and renewing our baptismal vows at Easter. And it, it, it kind of is a focus on me, mm-hmm. right? Like, I need to change. Lord, how do I change? It's, it's a season of that. We should come out of that tomb for, in Easter just following the Lord, focused on Him out there, right? Like, because I've died to myself in here, I'm going to come out of the tomb of my own selfishness, my own... Um, focus on my own life, and I'm going to go out and bring Christ to others and spend the rest of the year out there. Well, what keeps us out of ourselves are these disciplines of penance and fasting and denying ourselves that keeps us from not focusing on ourselves again. We started the show talking about this guy in Japan Hmm. who just got lulled to sleep in his massage chair. What keeps us from that happening outside of Lent is that we don't sit down in the massage chair. <laughs> we're, we're focused on evangelization. We're focused on Christ. We're asking the Lord, where are you leading me and my family and my work? And, and then we're, we're experiencing the joy and the adventure of living that life of Christ out every day. That keeps us from becoming comfortable and self-centered and self-focused and going back to sleep spiritually until the next Lent, hmm. which is, you know, for a lot of us, that becomes whatever habit we get into of going to sleep spiritually come outside of Lent, we're just like, oh, I'll wait till Lent. I'll wait till Advent to try to jump out of it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just don't get in the chair. Don't wait. Real men, maybe we don't sit in massage chairs. I don't know. Maybe we sit in like just a good wooden tough chair. Yeah. As Some long people as we love massages. Just, you got to get up and go back to work. I mean, that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. You know, like, you know, let, let the Lord restore you in the massage and then get up. This guy fell asleep. <laughs> I, I put the blame on him, not the manager who like didn't see him in the chair. Yeah. So I got to tell you, like, you fell asleep in the massage chair, bro. Yeah. Like, that's your fault. You didn't even set an alarm on your phone? Or no, anything. like, you Could've just totally just checked out on life. Like, <laughs> just thinking, oh, it's all about me. I'm going to lay here in this massage chair and just fall asleep. Like, I don't have nothing else to do with my life. I've put it all on him. He's dead to me. Dead to me. I don't know what his name is. They didn't say in the article, poor guy. I don't know what it is either, but he's dead to me. Let's call him Jim. Jim. Jim's dead. Jim from Japan. <laughs> it yeah. Th- yeah, it doesn't seem like much like a Japanese name, but maybe. I don't know. I haven't met yeah. too many. So anyway, well, great show. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. You want a copy of the book, go to Amazon or holygrit.org, and you can type in Group Grit for a discount. Um a great great book out there see what else we're doing uh stay a part of the show on whatever platform you're on and thanks to kel ft radio and all of our sponsors and to deacon bear hey you're really not dead to me oh thanks paul you're alive (laughs) alive in christ yeah so have a great week everyone (laughs) 